the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy. And teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he. You are you. And the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is we're riding into a new day, a new opportunity, a new hope, a new life. Uh, and that is the promise. You know, that's the cool thing about uh, our lives. You know, no one responds to reality, ladies and gentlemen. We respond to our map of reality. In other words, we don't respond to what is actually happening. We respond to what we believe is happening. Now, I know to most of you that sounds like a, 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 a historical statement. It's the same thing, just worded different. No, they are absolutely two totally different things. I believe there is a reality. I believe there is truth. Uh, when I think it was uh, Pontius Pilate, I think it was, to asked Jesus, uh, what is truth? And he walked away. He didn't want to know the answer. You know why? Because it's easier to believe that there is no truth than to believe that there is a truth and admit that you're not interested in it. Ouch. You know, John, we're going to have to get like an ouch button for this show or something, you know? Ouch. <laughs> because, ouch. Yeah, yeah, there you go. See, he's got one. Ouch. You know, a good pastor Amen. friend of mine before ouch. said, yeah, it, yeah, that's right. A good pastor friend of mine, Johnny, used to say, if you can't say amen, then say ouch. And let's be honest, uh, sometimes it's amen and amen. ouch. Ouch. Yeah, absolutely. So today on Like It Matters Radio, I want to share some insights. You know, I, I went to Minneapolis. We had a great class in uh, Minneapolis. We we started with eight class members and four staff members. And the good news is we, we ended with four staff members. <laughs> we, uh, we ended with six class members. Uh, and we gave out one lower certificate because we give out two different types of certificates. So uh, it was a tough weekend. And, and today I want to talk about that and not talk, just to talk about things. I don't talk to talk. Uh, there's actually value in what I have to say. So there's a purpose for it. But today I want to share some insights because um, Leadership Awakening, my training, and you can go to likeitmatters.net to read about it is a two-and-a-half-day situational leadership experience. And I, I'm putting quotes around situational leadership because, you know, certain things you can't really be trained for. You can be trained for how to respond in a difficult situation, but, you know, you can read all the books in the life, uh, uh, lined up in life, and that doesn't help you necessarily. It might help you so you don't freak out, so you have a little knowledge. But you're still going to come upon things that you uh, weren't expecting, that you didn't prepare for, that you weren't, ex- you know, didn't think that were told it was going to be there. I remember when Val was pregnant, she uh, the book "What to Expect When Inspecting." Expecting, you know, it's a big book, and as much as they can tell you about uh, what's going to happen, what to expect, uh, they can't tell you everything. 
And there's no book in life outside of the Bible. And the Bible gives you principles. It gives you foundational precepts. It uh, gives you a, a mission, a purpose. It gives you a direction. Uh, but there's a lot of information that's not clearly stated in the Bible. And you've got to figure that out for yourself as well, using the rest of it as the, as the filter, if you will. And so situational leadership is really learning how to respond in situations as they come at you. Uh, and you might not know every situation how to handle it. But you can know the whys, and you can know the how people work and how situations process themselves out. And see, in my training, we learn much about people, patterns, and proclivities. You know, uh, there are many ways human beings are similar, and there are also many ways we are different. And understanding the similarities and the differences allows for greater relationships, a greater growth, and really life potentiality. And today, I want to reflect on some of those lessons and learnings from my experience this weekend with Team Two Thirty Three. You know. Uh, my class is hard to explain, and uh, we don't tell a lot of people a lot about the class because, number one, most people run. We're cowards, and I've always said that, but, man, we've become so weak as a people, and that's one of the things I want to talk about today because you can tell a man's religion in a time of despair, and I create a, a fiery furnace situation. I create a stress test. You know, if you think you got a, uh, yeah, yeah. If you think you got a bad heart, if you think you have heart problems, you know what they do to you? They put you on a treadmill, make it run really fast with all kinds of electrodes hooked up to you. What do you want to do, kill me? No. What they want to do is they want to put pressure on you because they want to see how are your arteries, how are your veins, how the heart's pumping, how is all that stuff working when it gets a little intense because you can tell a man's religion in time of despair. And when you put pressure on something, you find out where the weak links are. You know, when you got a small, slow leak in your tire, you want to blow up that tube a little larger than normal and then stick in some water, see where it's coming out. You know, when for football, you go to two-a-days in, in summer. You get ready for the OTAs, organized team activities, but you do two-a-days. You, you do drills. You get pushed. You get taxed. In the Army, we call it boot camp, right? And so my class is hard to explain, but it's really that type of process. And the best way I've ever heard to explain it uh, is in a story about George Bernard Shaw, the, the famous writer. And if you've, if you've listened to my show for any length of time, you've heard me say it. Uh, and if you've heard this story before, I want you to put on new ears. Listen to it as if you're listening to it for the first time. Because so many times we've been there, done that, heard that, got the T-shirt, that we don't process the lesson. And there's still a lesson. Even if you know the lesson, we've got to be reminded. Remember, the number one commandment in the Bible has nothing to do with sex, drugs, or rock and roll. It has to do with remembering. Leaders remember the right things. And so George Bernard Shaw, the famous writer, uh, near the end of his life was with a group of reporters. And one of the reporters asked George a question. He says, hey, George, if you could live your life all over again and you could be anybody you wanted to be, who would you be? He thought about it for a moment and uh, he said, you know what? If I had the ability to start all over uh, with the same base of knowledge I have today uh, and I could be anybody I wanted to be, I would be the George Bernard Shaw that I could have been. And what he was talking about living his full potential without the fear, without the doubt, without the limiting belief systems, because no one responds to reality. We respond to our map of reality. I remember a farmer was taking three of his donkeys for sale to the market. And on the way, he saw a river and decided to have a dip. Since he only had two ropes to tie the donkeys to a tree, he, he came up with a conundrum, right? He had three donkeys. He only had two t uh, ties. 
So we looked around what to do for the third one. Is there is there somebody around could help me? Is there is there something I could use? And as he was looking around, he saw a sage and, and sought his help. You know, maybe he could give him a rope to tie the third donkey. And so he went up to the sage, and, and the sage did not have a rope, but he did have a suggestion. And although he wanted a rope, without a rope, a suggestion is the next best thing. So the sage told the farmer, let the third donkey see you tying the other two donkeys to a tree. Make sure he's watching you. Then you pretend to tie the third one also. And he looked at him perplexed, but he said, okay. So he went back, and the farmer did as he was told. He tied the first two up and then pretended to tie the third one up and made sure he watched him so that he would think that he was tied up. So he went for Dippin' River, and coming back, he thanked the sage and saw that the donkey stood exactly at the same spot where he left him. So he went and he untied the two donkeys and patted the third one as they started to move. And after going a little distance, he was surprised. The, the third donkey didn't move. He was still what? at the same spot. So the farmer did everything he could to make the donkey move, cajoling, kicking, talking, you know, pulling on him. It wouldn't help. The donkey refused to move from the spot. Again, perplexed, he needed some help. He went back to the sage, and he told his sage the predicament. And the sage looked upon him and said, untie the third donkey. But, but, protested the farmer, I have not tied him. The sage said, you know that. I know that. But the, does the donkey know that? And sure enough, the farmer went back and pretended to untie the donkey. And with that, the donkey moved immediately as though released, and walked over to join the other two donkeys. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we can get all bound up with the strangest things, imaginary or real. The unconscious mind does not differentiate between Hollywood and reality. Many have been tied to the future based on ropes and knots that were secured in the past. We get so tied up by so many imaginary ropes, imaginary things, which really are non-existent. So today on Like It Matters Radio... We're going to talk about people, patterns, and proclivities. We'll be right back. Who am I? I don't know. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but... I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. And I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Sightseeing in Paris, at the mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. 
the tax man cometh. Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Alan Mike. They'll be discussing retirement income and the taxes you pay on that income in retirement. Many retirees are shocked at how high taxes can be after they retire. Don't get caught without a plan. Alan Mike will share with you how to create a tax-efficient income strategy. So make sure you listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, 9 a.m. Sunday on Freedom 1570. Or call them right now with your questions at 855-231-6010. With the vast majority of media today leaning hard left, it can be tricky to find news that actually shares, let alone defends, a conservative viewpoint. Hotair.com provides analysis and commentary from conservative writers like Ed Morrissey. Hotair.com. When I attended the Leadership Awakening workshop, I didn't know what to expect, but I was open. The tools taught at Leadership Awakening helped me discover things about myself that were holding me back from being all God created me to be. Providential? That word coins these life-changing classes because I now realize there are works God has already created for me to walk in, and these workshops helped me to see this more clearly. I received practical insights that I am already applying to be a more focused businesswoman, influential mom to my two teenagers, an eight-and-a-half-year-old son, and patient and passionate wife. I got rid of a lot of clutter in my head. BS, they call it, belief systems that were not serving me. If you want to know what it means to empower others instead of trying to control them, if you want to build a productive team in two days, if you want to press the reset button in your life and give yourself a fresh new beginning, then do yourself and your family a favor and attend the next Leadership Awakening. It's time the giant in you comes alive. Leadership Awakening is coming to a location near you. Details at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am Mr. Black. And today we're talking about patterns. We're talking about people. We're talking about proclivities. And I love that word. I love a good word. John, we haven't had a good word of the day for a long time. So today, why don't we make it proclivities? You know, it's such a great word. Uh, what does proclivity mean? That's what my wife asked when she's typed up. You know, I send up my little thing, my little explanation about today's radio show, and then my wife will put together a picture. She does all the pretty stuff. I do all the dirty stuff. So uh, she goes, what does proclivity mean? Uh, and I did my best to explain it. And what I told her, just let you know, without looking it up, because I always like to see how well I do know a word, uh, I put there, uh, what did I put? Preferences, patterns of behavior, likes, ways. So off the top of my head, pre- preferences, patterns. So I had to look it up. So I had to tell you guys, what does proclivity mean? Quote, uh, a tendency to choose or do something regularly, an inclination or predisposition toward a particular thing, like having a proclivity for hard work. Uh, proclivity, a natural propensity or inclination, a predisposition, a proclivity for exaggeration, a proclivity to complain. And lastly, these are three different dictionaries, an inclination or predisposition towards something, especially a strong inherent inclination towards something objectionable. That's interesting. I didn't hear the first time I heard a slant on what that is. But what I'm talking about is patterns. Patterns. We get what we get in life because of what we do. You know what? Team 233. I started with eight students, I told you. Ended with six. Of the six, five got the top certificate. One got the lower certificate. And yet, I'm going to tell you right now, outside of those two who quit, those six, uh, they are experiencing things this week that are almost impossible. 
life looks different. They're having different conversations with people. They're having different experiences. Uh, they're connecting. They're hearing. They have a sensory acuity that's heightened. So they're seeing things clear. They're hearing things better. They're sensing things more cleanly. They have their spider senses on. Uh, they're feeling joy and emotion. Uh, it's a great, great feeling. You know why? Because of what they went through. The reason we're getting what we're getting today is because of what we've been doing. And if we keep doing what we're doing, we'll keep feeling what we're feeling. However, if we quit doing what we're doing, eventually we stop feeling what we're feeling. You know, when Christ went to, was talking to the seven churches, the book of uh, uh, Revelation, the first two chapters or three chapters, chapter two and three, he said, the church of Ephesus, I have one thing against you. You've forgotten your first love. Goes back, go back to doing what you did at the beginning. Notice he didn't say go back to feeling. He said go back to doing because the feeling comes from the doing. And some of you are waiting for the feeling to get the doing, but you can't get the doing. Uh, uh, you can't get the feeling without doing, and people don't want to do, they want to blame. So, one thing I love about our training is it is situational leadership. It allows us to see uh, what's going on in people's head and hearts. I put a lot of pressure. I squeeze them because one thing I learned a long time ago is there are a lot, many similarities with people. My background is neurolinguistic programming. I'm a master practitioner. Uh, I'm uh, It's my forte. Uh, and one thing I learned about uh, NLP a long time ago is it taught us that the brain is a sensory-based organ. So we store data. We only experience things in a very limited surface experience because we only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. So most things are being stored unconsciously. And we have a lot of similarities, a lot of patterns. When studying NLP, studying the psyche of human beings, studying the physiology and how different things affect people the same way, you can see patterns. You know, as different as we all are, 99.9% of our DNA is similar. It's identical. We all come from the same God goo. And one-tenth of one percent is the difference. Now, there's something like three billion pairs, genetic pairs, that make up uh, all of our characteristics. And so even one-tenth of one percent, right? That's a lot. Still, I think, three million pairs. But there's also similarities in how we respond, what we do. That's why I referenced the book, The Games People Played, by Dr. Eric Byrne. Because it show, identifies about 140-something games, psychological games, that most people are playing. And very few people are winning anything, but everybody's keeping score. And that's the problem. And so I see patterns. And as I put pressure on people, people respond similarly. That's why we say you can tell a man's religion in time of despair. Because the commonality of the pattern is that when people are squeezed so hard, their backs are pushed against the wall, you get the innate. You get the, you get the heart. That's why you, know, you, you can see someone's heart when their lives are falling apart. That's why I always tell my Christian brothers and sisters, you know, God cares how we suffer. I know that sounds mean. I know it sounds cruel. I know that sounds strange, but God does. Because the way we suffer tells a lot about our faith. The way we suffer tells a lot about our attitude. The way we suffer tells a lot about our core belief systems. And one thing that is similar between all human beings is we all have pain. Different levels, different intensities, for different reasons, at different predispositions, whatever you want to call them, or should I just call dispensations, right? 
And so one thing I learned a long time ago, it's a commonality. And the way people process pain tells a lot about people. So you can exercise and sustain personal leadership only to the extent of your capacity to bear pain. This is a quote by John MacArthur. If you can't bear your own pain, then you can't really lead. If you can respond to and bear only the pain of your family, then your family represents the full scope of your leadership potential. If, however, by God's grace, you can recognize and bear the pain of those around you, then the breadth of your leadership potential is limited only by the scope of your burden and capacity. You can tell a man's religion in time of despair. You can tell how the heart's going to react when you put a little pressure. That's what a doctor does, this a stress test. That's what boot camp in the army is about, to put some pressure on you, to teach you how to keep your head when other people are losing theirs, to ratchet up the pressure around you, the intensity around you. I'm a pretty hardcore guy. I push people. My daughter and my sons, my oldest son, Faith and Christian, I raised them on my own. Nothing frazzles them. They grew up with Mr. Black. They're I push. I, I'm a squeezer. I'm a pusher. I'm an agitator. They learned all through their childhood how to function at a high level in a stressful environment. I have two other sons, a major who's 16, who I lost custody of him when I was eight years old, when he was eight years old. And he went to uh, basically his mom's taken over since then, and she's used the court to abuse me and separate us. And so my son, Major, is his mom's son. In other words, uh, he, he's, he's a snowflake. He gets frazzled easy. He can't handle pressure. He shuts down under pressure. But I is seven years old. Uh, and I realize I've kind of been treating him a little too much like Major, not enough like Christian and Faith. And so he doesn't handle pressure well. He freaks out. He said, we're teaching him emotional intelligence. And so lately, seven years old now, I've been purposely putting a little more pressure on him because normally he'd freak out, he'd start crying and all that, and I'd just back off. I'm now putting him, he's got to learn how to handle himself in stressful situations. He's got to learn how to have some pressure because what I've seen is not good. And this is where I'm going for a full circle. What I'm seeing in my class is not good. This weekend in class 233, man, we had two people quit. One of them is so negative, so bitter. Her father paid for her class. She didn't pay a penny. She's a single mom, uh, been divorced already at a young age. Uh, and, man, just really dark. And she had no esteem, nothing. And yet she talks about love the whole time. Well, I got Galatians 5.19 where it was tattooed on my back because love, it's all about love. And yet she walked out of the class. She was nasty to people. She was mean. Um, she was given a $2,000 gift and didn't show any appreciation at all. But did you hear she's all about love? When another young woman who's wanted to go to my class for three years, I have a graduate who uh, we don't share a lot of beliefs. Uh, I, I'm a born-again Christian committed. Uh, she's uh, uh, walking with God. I'm not sure where she's at in that relationship anymore. Um, she lives a different alternate lifestyle, a homosexual lifestyle. Again, I got friends that are like that. I'm not saying that. I'm not condemning her. Uh, I'm a sinner too. I got my own stuff. I got to deal with it. That's between me and God too. So, but she also is around a lot of people that are LGBTQT. A lot of people who have medical situations and thus need pain pills and all that. And so, this is her her group. This is her environment. 
And so one of these young ladies, she sent her to me, and she's wanting to go to my training for three years. We met her three years ago. She has a brain tumor. She has chemotherapy on a regular basis. And she knows how what we do is really hard. And so she wanted to go out there and training. She said, don't, don't feel sorry for me. Don't, don't uh, change the bar. And I don't do that. I would pull her aside make sure she's okay. We'd get her wa- extra water. I'd move her chair sometimes when we were moving. And, but I pushed everybody. I told her that. And she told me not to feel sorry for her and all that. So it, you can put on a good face for 24 hours. So usually by Friday at lunch, to, I mean after lunch before dinner, people hit a wall. And so she hit a wall. I'm pushing her, pushing her, pushing her, checking on her, make sure she's okay, but still pushing her. And she says, okay. Now the class isn't coming together. We got two couple negative people, she being one of them. And so Val goes in at lunch, dinner time, and tell him to get ready and all that. And she snaps about Val. So you know I got brain cancer. You know I got a tumor. You know I got – and – I mean, she just went off. She goes, we're only functioning off of three hours of sleep. And, and she's going off and attacking my wife. Now, I'm paying for this woman to be here. She begged me to be here for three years. We pulled her aside and we concerned for her. But she basically then went home, quit without telling us, went home. And then I met her girlfriend at graduation. Her girlfriend, the girl she's dating, who was there with her friend, was there. And she was asking me all these questions. So... So is humiliation a, a part of the process? Do you think after you humiliate him? So is that why you turn to God because you don't think you can? I mean, she asked these pointed mean questions. She was nice about it. But here's the problem. Here's a woman that said, don't treat me different. Don't feel sorry for me. Treat me like everybody else, like everybody says. And then we did that and gave her a $2,000 gift, and she freaked out and attacked us. Called his name, called us this. See, this is what we're talking about. And today, what we're talking about, Like It Matters Radio, are patterns, people, and proclivities. Because when you know who you are, what to do is a lot simpler. We'll be right back. Come on, man. Take a listen to these words about Like It Matters Leadership Awakening from a recent attendee. Leadership Awakening is like nothing else. It's incomparable to any other training that I've been through, and that's executive, professional, communication training, to to how to hold a fork. It, the, the Leadership Awakening is a deep mental experience where I was forced to challenge my mind in a way that I've never been challenged before and it's there's nothing like it there's 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 no way to explain it with words you have to experience it leadership awakening change your heart change your mind change your life go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next leadership awakening it's not only changing lives it's saving lives that's likeitmatters.net slash schedule Are you self-employed or a real estate investor looking for a mortgage? It can be frustrating qualifying with most mortgage lenders, but it doesn't have to be thanks to Cash Call Mortgage. At Cash Call Mortgage, we use alternative methods to qualify people for mortgage loans, bank statements to qualify self-employed borrowers, and lease agreements to qualify real estate investors. And no W-2s or tax returns are required. We don't charge any lender fees and no broker fees. If you're being turned down for a home loan because you're self-employed or a real estate investor, call Cash Call Mortgage for your free quote. To see if you qualify, visit 
visit CashCallMortgage.com or call now. Call 800-931-6651. 800-931-6651. Cash Call Mortgage is a DBA of Impact Mortgage Corp. NMLS ID 128231. Not all applicants will qualify. Equal housing lender licensed by California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. Residential Mortgage Lending Act License Number 4131083. Not licensed in all states including New York. These loans may have higher interest rate, more points, and are more fees than a full documentation loan. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. And don't forget the daily radio show, Like It Matters, at 11 a.m. on Freedom 1570. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Who are you? I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. Bye. I am black. And you are back to Like It Matters Radio. Live in life like it matters. And that's what we did this last weekend in Minneapolis. Uh, we uh, changed uh, really 12 lives. Even I believe even the two people that quit. The one woman that quit, I mean, my wife had a, uh, she, my wife smokes, uh, so she was outside and she quit. She was smoking. So listen, I'm not going to talk in the stain because you're quitting. But she said, you know, if nothing else, you got to, you got to, you know, you got to fix some stuff. You know, I got to fix some stuff. You're, you're, you're really broken. That Those kids, she is, she's a single mom of a couple kids, been through a divorce. The number one cause for abuse and molestation uh, is a man in the home who's not the father, biological father. And here this woman has abuse in her past. She's a single mom with a couple kids that are going to have abuse in their future if they don't already have it now because usually abusers begat abusers. Molesters begat molesters. Uh, alcoholics usually begat alcoholics. But you can scratch those CDs. You can break those LPs. And see, what I see in my classes, and it's getting darker and darker and darker, uh, is what's happening in society. That's why I can tie the two together. This article just came out the other day. Uh, I don't know where I got it from. I'll just read you a clip from it, though. Uh, says more than 500 kids between the ages of 10 and 14 died by suicide in 2020, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, making it the second leading cause of death in that group, and as common as children that age being killed in car crashes. And yet, as Andrew Solomon writes uh, in this week's issue, while the rate of youth suicide has been rising, there remain few therapeutic few therapeutic interventions for children with depression. Did you hear that? The recent death of one of his son's classmates gives the story a personal urgency and serves as an example of a central challenge. Children are often secretive about suicidal impulses. Parents are often in denial. This heartbreaking, impressive story is a call to action. I see it. How about this? Totally different article, same day. Government-mandated COVID lockdown sparks severe health crisis among teens as teachers' union pushes their own personal policy. Teenagers saw an increase in mental health issues stretching from persistent feelings of loneliness to suicide, suicidal thoughts last year amid school shutdowns and government-mandated restrictions during the pandemic. 
These data echo a cry for help, CDC acting director says. The COVID-19 pandemic has created a traumatic stressor that have the potential to further erode students' mental health well-being. Do you hear that? The COVID-19 pandemic has created traumatic stressors that have the potential to further erode students' mental well-being. One research shows that surrounding youth and the proper support can reverse this. 44%. That's the number. Last year, 44% surveyed just in the first six months reported feeling persistently sad or, ready for this, helpless and hopeless. Figures up from 26%. It's went up almost 80% since that was done in 2009, in 10 years. Uh, Stunning. Overall, 37% of high school students reported poor mental health, and nearly 20% of teens have contemplated suicide. Why does that matter? Because who do you think these little kids grow up to be? Teenage moms or teenage uh, recipients of abortions or a guy, a a, a girl who has had five boys, five men in life, five living boyfriends, uh, three of them created children for her. I mean, this is the problem. And we put pressure on people. And what comes out in our class shows what's going on in their head and the heart. The Bible says the sins of the father go three to four generations for those who uh, 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 hate God. And what you're starting to see it. So this is why I teach six words. In my class, I give show people we have these six tools in the toolbox. Why? Because just like the problems are the similar for people. Just like the struggles are similar. When, when Jesus walked on this planet, he walked in the form of a human so that he could experience what we experience, so he could walk a mile in our moccasins, so he could have true empathy. We have a daysman. We have a, a, a high priest who knows our struggle, who knows our pains because he's walked in our shoes. And that's why I can help people. And right now, this mentality of uh, a critical race theory is nothing more than the drama triangle. All this hatred on race, on their pushing black people are victims, white people are persecutors, where LGBTQT has more precedence than cisgender, when homosexuality is the preferred mechanism. See, I don't think it should be outlawed. I don't think we should condemn someone for their sins. Uh, Homosexuality is not the impartable sin. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Your sin is between you and God. My sin is between me and God. The difference is when you attempt to say something that God says is bad and attempt to make it good. There's a difference there. I admit that. Uh, I don't want to pretend like adultery is good. I don't want to pretend like lying's good. I don't have a cheater's parade. Not going to uh, do that, it. Hey, I cheated on my wife, so I'm having a parade to talk about how cool it was I cheated. We don't have a parade for ta- people who don't pay their taxes. We don't have a parade for people who hate on other people as a general rule. So we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. But we got to be careful what we attempt to make good when God says it's bad. And what's going on is the drama triangle. And see, when I put pressure on people like this young lady who I helped, who I paid $2,000 to go to my class, who no one would help her, who she can't uh, do what she needs to do. She's abandoned left and right. And here's some stranger who has totally different beliefs. I believe in the God of the Bible. I don't think she does. Uh, I believe a, a marriage between a man and a woman and what God brings together, let no man bring us under. I don't think homosexuality is normal behavior. I don't think we were made that way. And again, I don't think she's evil. I don't think she should be condemned to hell. Uh, I don't think she should be arrested. I don't think her activity should be banned. I'm just telling you, we think differently. I've never, you know, and yet we paid her money. And yet when things got tough, she, her victim 
stance showed up. Remember the drama triangle by Stephen Cartman, K-A-R-P-M-A-N. It's three positions. It's an upside-down triangle, upside-down triangle. And this is what's going on in America. You have the victim, and then on one side of the top is the persecutor. On the other side is the rescuer. And this is how it works. Dr. Cartman was a student of transactional analysis at the time he identified these three roles on the drama triangle. And there's a resemblance to the critical parent, the persecutor. This is Dr. Eric Burns' work uh, in transactional analysis. There's a resemblance to the critical parent, who's the persecutor. The marshmallow parent gets walked over, which we would call a rescuer. And the wounded inner child, which is something I deal with and a lot of other people deal with, what we call the victim. And Eric defined these, Eric Byrne, Dr. Byrne, in the games people play. And what gives the drama triangle much of its power and significance is the recognition that people switch roles and cycle through all three of these roles without getting out of the triangle. See, that's what this woman did. She, she has totally different beliefs than me. Uh, she lives a lifestyle I don't condone. And by the way, I probably do the same thing for her. I helped her out, did everything I could for her. She walks out on us, then attacks me and tells her girlfriend uh, that I humiliate her and we do this and we do that. None of that's true at all. I was loving on her. And here's the key. Victims depend on a savior. Rescuers yearn for a basket case. And persecutors need a scapegoat. That's how the drama triangle works. We go from one role to the other, and we never get off the triangle. See, the trap is people are acting out these roles to meet personal, and these are often unconscious needs, rather than being able to see the picture as a whole and take responsibility. There's this book called The Three Faces of a Victim, an overview of the drama triangle by Lynn Forrest. And here's an excerpt from it. Dad comes home from work to find mom and junior engaged in a battle. Clean up your room or else, that's the persecutor, mom threatens. Dad immediately comes to Junior's rescue. Mom, he might say, give the boy a break. He's been at school all day. Any one of several possibilities might follow. Perhaps the persecutor mom, feeling victimized by dad, will turn her wrath on him. In that case, she moves dad from rescuer to victim. Then they might do a quick trips around the triangle with Junior on the sidelines. Or maybe Junior joins dad in a persecutory role. Let's gang up on mom approach. Or then again, maybe Junior will turn on dad, rescuing mom with mind your own business, dad. I don't need your help. So it goes with endless variations, but nonetheless pinging from corner to corner on the triangle. And for many families, it's the only way they know how to interact. And what's needed is for someone on the triangle to wake up, wake up to the roles that we are playing repeatedly. One person shifting out of a role can catalyze the other to shift out of roles and behaviors. What's especially helpful is that when the victim begins to, quote, grow up, grow up, victim, and take responsibility for their own empowerment and source resourcing themselves to meet their own needs. See, every role of the drama triangle has its payoffs. Victims get to be taken care of. Rescuers get to feel good by caretaking. And persecutors get to remain feeling superior to both victim and rescuer. But the cost? Perpetuate, perpetration of a dysfunctional social dynamic. And to miss out on the possibilities and responsibilities of healthy, resident, resilient relationships. And that's what I'm seeing in class. So what I do, just like the problems are the same, just like people's patterns are the same, I want you to know the tools and the way to fix it are the same too. That's why in my training, I hit six key tools, six key things that are in everybody's box. And they're just words. They're team, T-E-A-M, their vision, 
their purpose, their passion, their focus, and their commitment. And those six tools in your toolbox are what help us overcome. And what I do is I inbred those into the culture in the weekend class. And it is situational leadership at its finest. People learn about themselves. They learn about their strengths. They learn about their weaknesses. They fall flat on their face. They get emotionally hijacked and respond in ways they're not proud of. They have all these illogical thoughts like, why is he doing this to me? He's so mean. He's this and that. And yet none of that's true. And as they push through that, we overcome and we keep them focused on our purpose. We keep them moving with passion. We start creating a team. We create a vision, some hope for moving forward. We get them focused on that focus, on that vision forward, and then we make them commit heart, body, and soul. And by doing that, even the biggest skeptic, the biggest person shut down, it changed their life. They open up. And so after the break, I'm going to go into those six tools and help you realize that we all have these tools and we can all fight a better fight. I'm Black. We'll be right back. If you're not in one way or another a victim of something about our, from our society, you lose ground. Come on, man. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. And I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Salmon fishing in Alaska, at an amusement park in Green Bay, or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Over 50,000 police officers are assaulted each year, leading to injuries and death. They know that if someone doesn't lawfully comply or resists, force may have to be used to obtain compliance. Nobody likes it, especially police. Help police by not escalating. Don't attack or try to disarm an officer. Don't argue, resist, or flee. After the encounter has been resolved is the time to address any complaints. Comply now. Complain later. Keep everybody safe. This message brought to you by the National Police Association. Learn more at nationalpolice.org. TheFishTwinCities.com is streaming your favorite contemporary Christian artists like Matthew West, Toby Mack, for King and Country, and many more. Stream along at TheFishTwinCities.com, download the free app, or listen on your Amazon smart speaker. Take a listen to this comparison of other training to Leadership Awakening. For probably two-thirds of my 30-year law enforcement career, I spent time in supervision and management, so I've been to a lot of leadership training. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I went to a leadership course in California where I worked, and it's an eight-month program. I went through that program. I went back later on as a facilitator, so I, I taught leadership. What we did in class was 
completely different than any other leadership program that I've been through. I mean, in 48 hours of leadership training in your program, it was just, it was dynamic. It was intense. It was powerful. You know, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Leadership Awakening. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your life. Go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next Leadership Awakening. You ain't black. Don't jive me. Not a joke. Not a joke. This is black. You are back. Being under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. Today we're talking about creatures of habit. We are these repetitious uh, creatures. And the reason why we're doing what we're doing today is because we've done it before. Unless you have a life shakeup, unless you have a reset, uh, you'll never reach your potential. You've got to have this reset. Uh, so cool. I have a, a group of people up in Wisconsin. Uh, they're with a group of uh, Henry Schein Dental. I've done a lot of work with them. Uh, one of the CFOs or uh, presidents of Henry Schein Dental uh, or sales, maybe he's the director of sales. He had sent some of his family members through about 12, 15 years ago. So they had, uh, they uh, have a daughter and their daughters get married. And so they sent their son-in-law to my class over the weekend. And I haven't uh, talked to them in probably a dozen years, maybe 10 years. I don't know, somewhere around there. And so at the end of the training, we have people answer four questions. It's called share your fire. And the first one being briefly share what your biggest block in life or business was. And this was this young man who's getting ready to get married to their daughter. My biggest block in life was my ability to hold myself accountable. I got so caught up in my work and stress that I would make promises I would never keep. People started to see this and it added concern. How will the experience of leadership awakening affect your life? The experience has really provided me with a chance to reset. That's what he said. Chance to reset. I will now move forward understanding that what I truly want. Uh, in my everyday life and make sure that I held myself accountable for my actions and what I commit to doing. Here's a woman you might hear from this weekend up there in the Twin Cities area. Uh, she goes to, on me on my trips to Sturgis with a bike wash. She went through class. She said, briefly share what your biggest block in life was. My biggest block is me, my self-talk. Having to have it all figured out, my walls of fear and rejection, how we experience change your life. I can shut down or not allow altogether the voices in my head. I can believe in myself more than that. I'm aware of the walls that I allow in my life. This is something I choose to not allow. It shows you what you're made of. It pushes you to go deeper, test resolve, opens doors, breaks down walls, and brings freedom. What's that? In a few words, why should someone attend leadership waking? So she said, it shows you what you're made of. Pushes you to go deeper, test resolve, opens doors, breaks down walls, brings freedom. Man, that's good. You got to keep that one. Yeah, that's a good one. I couldn't have written that, written that any better. That's what we do. And this woman uh, is a woman uh, probably in her 60, early 60s. She looks better than that. She's been married 42 years. She walks with God. Uh, she got successful kids, owns her own business. So this is not some screwed up woman. This is a woman who wants more in her life, who wants to better. And that's what we do. I don't care if your life is good or broken. That's what we do. We put a stress test. We help you ask and answer important questions. And the great news is, Minneapolis, we're coming back June 30th through July 2nd. 
So Thursday, June 30th through Saturday, July 2nd, we'll be adding it to our website today. We'll be throwing up some commercials. So you got one more chance, uh, Twin Cities, uh, June 30th. We'll have 12 spots available to change lives. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to show you a pattern. I'm going to create an environment for you to understand these six tools that we all need. One thing I do in my training, I don't make people dependent on me. I give people the keys to the kingdom. I teach them how they work, how they create experience, how they do what they do. And so if they want to do something different, they want to get something different, then they can do something different. And I'll teach them how it works. And so those, I tell them basically you all have a toolbox. And when you come here, I open up the toolbox and I show you how to use your toolbox. I show you tools that you always have. I didn't give them to you. I'm just pulling them out. I'm just showing you. And, yeah, I will put a couple extra tools in your toolbox. But go to likeitmatters.net. Go to likeitmatters.net. I promise you, and you'll hear from some of the people tomorrow uh, and on Thursday uh, that went through my training. Toughest thing they've ever done. We're pushed. We're challenged. It was 48 hours that they swear they were there for 10 days or two weeks. uh, And you got more than you could ever share on a one-hour radio conversation. But let me show you those six tools before we leave today. And the first one is team. See, together everyone achieves more. No man is an island and rocking to himself. We were created for relationship people. And apart from relationship, even God said in the beginning, you know, I think it's Genesis 1 or Genesis 2, where God says he created man. He said it was not good for man to be alone. So God put Adam into a deep sleep. And Adam took out one of his ribs. I mean, God took out one of Adam's ribs and from that created woe man because out of man came her. Woe man. Whoa, man. And you get a good woman. When you find that woman, you fall in love with men. I believe besides most great men, besides many great men, is a great woman. I really do. Because whoa, man. She puts a stop to you. She look, you look at her with that thing in your eyes and that palpitation in your heart and that desire that, man, I want to serve that woman. Uh, I want to walk with her through this journey called life. And ladies and gentlemen, we have the opportunity to do that with lots of people. In my class, together, everyone achieves more. And what a team is, should do is like equipment. It should allow you to do more. It should allow the more that you do to be easier. And it should be allow the more that you do easier to be enjoyable. And I teach you that in the class. A vision. We all need vision. It's a, like Dr. King said, I have a dream. What kept Dr. King going was a dream. And without hope, uh, people have no reason to move on. You know, to me, vision and hope are very uh, synonymous. They're the same thing. Hope uh, means that no matter what's going on today, tomorrow can be better. Same thing with vision. It doesn't matter what's going on today. If you can envision a better tomorrow, it gives you reason to get up, to pick yourself up when you get knocked down, to dust yourself off and hit it again and again and again, which, which brings you to this purpose, right? It was Nietzsche who said, he who has a why can bear almost any how. Why do you get up each day and do what you do and go home at night, get up the next day and do it again and again? What's your purpose? How about this? What do you want so bad that you're willing to be uncomfortable for two and a half days? What do you want so bad that you're willing to invest $2,000 to better your life? What do you want so bad that will humble yourself before the Lord and before man and figure out what's holding you back and where you're going? What do you want so bad in life that you're willing to pull over your car from the rat race of life, from the highway of life, and take a personal inventory? Take a look at your strengths and your weaknesses. Work on reinforcing the strengths and minimizing the soft areas. Clean up some of the stuff from the past that's not serving you well. And what about passion? 
passion is your emotional energy. It is passion that gives you fuel for the journey. And most people's tank is empty. Oh, they're still doing. They're still throwing their body around letting people play with it. Oh, they're still uh, letting people do a mail-in ballot for them. Oh, they're still doing all that. They're still taking credit. They're still getting their refund checks and their their, uh, food stamp cards and their free Obama phone. But what's driving them? Where's the significance? Where's the living beyond ourselves? And I'm seeing that more and more in class, that people just are wrapped up in their own petty experience, that they do their own thing. Even when they listen to me and push, they don't bring other people with them, which brings us to the focus. Where is your focus and what is your focus? Are you, is your focus on feeling sorry for yourself? Are you focused on being a victim? Are you the focus on because you feel guilty about your past, now wanting to go out there and be all woke and wanting to defeat the problem of racism with racism? Are you now hating on haters? Are you now uh, destroying those that you think are going to destroy everything? Are you now so closed-minded for those you think are so closed-minded? Isn't it amazing the hypocrisy of all those haters on the left and the right, by the way, too, that we chastise and criticize everybody else? Boy, if Hunter Biden was Hunter Trump, he'd be in jail. Not a joke. Uh, but. Biden would be impeached five times already. Come on, man. But since Hunter and Joe are Democrats, and since the media got them elected, and since Facebook spent half a billion dollars to put uh, Biden team members in the uh, election offices so that they could do their work from the election offices on the company dime, look at the half a billion dollar uh, he spent. And that was to get Democrats into election offices so that they could do all the stuff they were doing and get paid by the government for doing it. Look it up. I know some people don't like the truth, which brings us to that word commitment. See, what lacked in this class from the five that got certificates of commitment, heart, body, and soul, and the three that didn't was that one word commitment. And you know what's needed to have commitment? Trust. And right now we can't trust that we have fair elections. We can't trust that we're going to be able to get our jobs back. We can't trust that we can walk around without a mask. We can't trust that we can buy gas for our car. We can't trust what the government's telling us. We can't trust that our borders are being protected. We can't trust that law enforcement officers are going to be safe so they can keep us safe. So don't you see what's going on? People are struggling. The COBRA effect is uh, going to be greater than we could ever imagine. There are people hurting and struggling. you got to fix your head. The battle's in the mind. Let me resuscitate your heart. Let me help you reignite your thinking, put you in the proper mode of thinking, the, 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 the creative thinking. The the effective thinking, the logistical thinking. Come on, people. It's all about the heads and the hearts. Go to likeitmatters.net. Let me help you clean up the head and the heart. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you when you live your life like it matters. It does. Cheats and liars. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Stop this insanity, please. We noticed we had a leak in our roof. Hey, I'm Brenda from Stillwater, Minnesota. We noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney. This is our first time working with JTR Roofing. A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTI Roofing because they were reliable, 
friendly. There were no hidden costs in their quotes. And the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only did they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business. And just overall, it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work. Absolutely. We're thinking about having our windows replaced and we will be calling JTR. Go to JTRRoofingInc.com. That's JTRRoofingInc.com. Ringing. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.